today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. It's not a blind faith, it's an intelligent faith. It's trusting God, taking God at His Word. It's not this, hey, I'm just, I'm going to step out in faith. Wait a minute. Why? Oh, because God promised me in His Word. God said in His Word. God commanded me in His Word. Now i got to put feet to my faith, because otherwise, like James also says, I'm only a hearer of God's Word and not a doer. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Hebrews. There's a lot of people who think trust is nonsense. They've been let down one too many times and in turn can only doubt. But today, Pastor J.D. reminds us that faith in God is entirely different than trust in anything else. God isn't just truthful. He is truth. He's actually the only thing in this world that won't let you down. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. We're currently in the book of Hebrews, and today's text is going to be chapter 11, two verses again only. You'll see why, uh, verses 30 and 31. So again, we're only going to take two verses today. Been really looking forward to this. Verse 30. The writer of Hebrews, by the Holy Spirit, writes, By faith the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. By faith, verse 31, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. So I want to talk with you today about just how dramatically our Christian lives could change if we would but mix our faith with action. In the text before us, the writer of Hebrews enters into what we affectionately refer to as the hall of faith, the actions surrounding Jericho. And by the way, for those of you that are interested, I would really encourage you to do this. I actually did this. I took this last week in preparation for the teaching today and went back into my archive notes. Joshua chapter 2 and Joshua chapter 6, actually all the chapters in between if you want. Uh, We were actually studying through Joshua back in 2012, uh, nine, ten years ago now. So I went back into the account of what happened there in Jericho, and I find it very interesting that the writer of Hebrews would be inspired by the Holy Spirit to record for us and induct into this hall of faith, the, again, I'm going to use this word, actions surrounding Jericho, namely that 
of how the walls fell. And a former prostitute, and I use that word for a reason, by the name of Rahab, mixed her faith with action, which resulted in her salvation, and not only her salvation, but the salvation of her entire family. We actually talked about this mixing faith with action back when we were in chapter 4 concerning the gospel being preached. Let me read chapter 4 verse 2. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them. It did them no good. It was of no use. Complete waste of time. Why? Because not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. Best illustration I've ever heard in this regard is what happens when you mix hydrogen with oxygen. The hydrogen is merely hydrogen by itself, and so too is the oxygen merely oxygen by itself. However, when you mix hydrogen with oxygen, the hydrogen molecules react, there's an action, a reaction with oxygen. And when the existing molecular bonds break, new bonds are formed between oxygen and hydrogen atoms. This reaction then results in an explosive release of energy and produces what we know as water. So too is this true for us, such that when we mix the Word of God with faith, it produces results in our lives as we possess the promises of God for our lives. And that's what I want to talk about today concerning Jericho. James chapter 2 verse 17 writes, In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, mixed with action, guess what? Dead. No value. No use. You need to accompany it by action. You need to mix it with action, otherwise it's of no value, of no use. Later on in that chapter, can you believe it? James, by the Holy Spirit, actually refers to this prostitute named Rahab in our text today in explaining this mixing of faith with action. Listen to this, verse 25. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. And then he says this, listen, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. 
Wow. Oh, it gets better. What if I told you that this Rahab was not only mentioned as an example of faith mixed with action by James, but what if I told you that she's actually in the genealogy of the Savior of the world? What? A prostitute? Matthew chapter 1. Oh, and she's in good company with a, another woman, which by itself, especially for the Jew, unthinkable. Uh, another woman by the name of Tamar. You know who she is? Well, I'll tell you who she is. Uh, she was the daughter-in-law of uh, Jacob, who had these sons that that married her, the first son married her, it was, pardon me, not Jacob, pardon me, Judah. That's key, by the way. This is Judah. We're talking about Jesus coming from the line of Judah. Okay, so Judah has three sons. First son marries this Tamar, and he dies. So as it was the custom, then now Judah has to give her the second son to carry on the name, because any sons born to her would be actually the firstborn son. So then he didn't want to give his brother any sons, so God just kills him. I I know it's in the Bible, God killed him, so the second son's dead now. And so he's only got one more son left, Judah. And he's like, you know, can we just wait on the third son because my first two sons that married you died and, you know, <laughs> let's just hold off. And uh, But he had to give her his third son, but he doesn't do it. So what does she do? Well, he sends her off and and she hears that he's going to be in town, so she dresses herself up as a prostitute and seduces him, and she gets pregnant with twins, and he doesn't know about it. And I mean, it is one of the most, I mean, intense accounts in all of the pages of Holy Writ, because when he's found out And she tells him, you know, you did not give me your third son. I'm with your child, actually not child, but twin boys. And as was the custom, this is going to come into play in a minute. I have a reason for this explanation. As was the custom, when twins were born, the firstborn, they would tie a scarlet thread around the wrist of the firstborn, because that's the firstborn, so they would mark it. Well, when it came time for these twin boys to be born, Perez comes out, they put the, the midwife puts the scarlet thread on his wrist, and he goes back in. I mean, what's up with that? And then the, the twin boy is born, but he's not really the firstborn, because the scarlet thread was placed on the firstborn. Again, that's going to come into play. Now, why do I bring Tamar up? Because like Rahab, Tamar, is included in the genealogy of the Savior of the world. 
And here's the thing. If you count how many people are inducted into this hall of faith, you're going to come up with 17 people. I would not have come up with the same 17 people. I can assure you that I would not have included Rahab in that list. I would not have inducted Rahab into the hall of faith. I mean, there's so many other men and women of God. By faith they did this, they did that. Now the writer of Hebrews, in all fairness, is going to allude to that. Listen, I'm not running out of examples, I'm running out of time. Time doesn't permit to talk about all of these other people that should be in this hall of faith. But don't you find it interesting that of the people that we have in this hall of faith, that it would be her? Really? Why? Ah, we're going to see why. Enter our text today. What we're about to see is how the, and I can't emphasize and highlight and underscore this word enough, actions. We're going to see how the actions that they mixed with their faith resulted in miracles. I mean miracles. And not just miracles for the Israelites, but also salvation for Rahab and her whole family, all because they mixed their faith with actions. Now, what follows are two vital truths as it relates to putting feet to our faith as it's been said. This is, you'll forgive me, putting your faith where your mouth is. Oh, is it the other way around? Anyway, I completely botched it. You get the point. Put your, yeah, put your faith where your mouth is. You have faith? Show me your faith by your deeds. You know, you've heard that expression. Here we go. This is better. Thank you for bearing with me. Actions speak louder than words. Why are you looking at me like that? You've heard that, right? Your actions speak louder than words. True. And we're going to see that too. Actions do speak louder than words, but there are no actions unless there is a mixing and a putting one's feet to their faith. And that's what they did. And what happened when they did? Now we have a couple of problems here. We have more than a couple of problems, actually. But the first problem is easier said than done, right? I mean, if we're honest with ourselves, we would have to admit that sometimes putting feet to our faith and mixing faith with action is easier said than done. And the reason for that is because there are prerequisites, preconditions, if I can say it like that, chief of which is that in putting feet to your faith and mixing faith with action requires that you trust the Lord no matter what. That's called faith. It's not a blind faith, it's an intelligent faith. It's trusting God, taking God at His word. 
It's not this, hey, I'm just, I'm going to step out in faith. Wait a minute. Why? Oh, because God promised me in His Word. God said in His Word. God commanded me in His Word. Now i got to put feet to my faith. Because otherwise, like James also says, I'm only a hearer of God's Word and not a doer. Because I didn't take action. I didn't mix action with that faith. See, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. But that faith is of no value to you if you don't accompany it with action, with deeds. It's dead. It's like the body without the Spirit. It's dead. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. It's a body. It's dead. If the Spirit's in the body, if the deeds are mixed with the faith, then it's alive. But faith without action, faith without works, faith without deeds is death. Show me your faith by your actions, because actions speak louder than words. Now let's talk about these problems. (laughs) Let's address them. Let's resolve them, actually. The first problem is in verse 30, and it's, when it makes absolutely no sense at all. If you were to ask me what I thought was one of the most difficult times for us to mix our faith with action, this would have to be it. It's in those times when the faith that requires action makes no sense at all. In fact, not only does it not make any sense, it almost seemingly contradicts everything up around me, everything I've known, everything I've been told. And such was the case for the Israelites. Now, we know the account of what happened. I don't like to call it a story because then it makes it almost sound fictional. A story. Not even a, based on a true story. No, it is a true story. This actually happened exactly like it's recorded for us in God's Word. Can you imagine getting these marching orders? So the Lord, and by the way, it's the Lord Himself, a Christophany, a pre-Bethlehem appearance of Jesus. That's important. You're going to see why. This is Jesus who is commanding Joshua to have them march around Jericho every day, with the priests, and the Ark of the Covenant. And then on the seventh day, they're to march seven times. Okay, I, I'm Joshua. The Lord just told me, this is your marching orders. i got to go tell them, this is how we're going to take Jericho. We're just going to walk around and march around the city every day, and then on the seventh day we're going to march around seven times, and then God's going to deliver Jericho into our hands. You know, Joshua, I know it's, you know, Moses' shoes or sandals, are big sandals to fill, and you've been under a lot of pressure lately, and I'm, I'm pretty sure you didn't hear God correctly. That No way. Are you kidding me? I mean, first of all, we're told not to ever have the priests be on the battle line. So that's a problem, number one. Problem number two, we're never to take the Ark of the Covenant into battle. 
This can't be God, number two. How about this one, number three? Um, We're not supposed to do anything on the Sabbath. And you're telling us that we're going to march on the Sabbath, the seventh day, seven times? That can't be the Lord. That doesn't make any sense. It contradicts everything we were told. Ah, that's where Jesus comes in. Because you see, Jesus fulfills the law. Jesus fulfills the Sabbath. Jesus fulfills the priestly role as the high priest, our high priest. Jesus is the fulfillment of the Ark of the Covenant. That settles it. That resolves it. Still going to require some faith. Can you imagine? You're walking around this city with walls that some believe were about 30 feet high. And you know what else they're told in their marching orders? When you're marching around the city, not a word. No talking smack, no talking stink, no nothing. Completely silent. Well, that's an interesting detail. Again, it's not what you say, it's what you do. Your actions are speaking so loud and no words. I want them to see your actions. Because you've got to know, and then we're going to see this in a moment, that the people in Jericho, in fact, were told as much, were paralyzed in fear. That's the only explanation that I can come up with, because they would have had a week on the top of those walls, wide enough to have houses in them, because, by the way, <laughs> that's where Rahab lived. Her place was in the wall. Talk about location, location, location. That's the worst place to be right now. But she still gets saved. But that's a wide wall. If you got a house in that wall, 30 feet high, and you're marching around this city. And you know how they say when you're, especially those of you that have a fear of heights, don't look down. I'm thinking like if I'm one of the Israelites, don't look up. Because <laughs> the more I look up at those walls, it's like the taller they get. And they're going to come down? And oh, by the way, this is all by faith. Because I don't find anywhere in the narrative where Joshua tells the Israelites what's going to happen. I think when those walls came down, the Israelites were just as shocked as those in, in Jericho. They were only told to march. March around the city would have taken them probably the better part of the day. So they march around. Not a word. Don't say a word. This would have been so hard. I would have been probably kicked out of the march because I'm like, you mean I can't talk? I can't say anything? Nope. I don't know if I could do that. Well, then you can't march. (laughs) But then you're not part of this. You're going to march. No words, only action. And you're marching around the city, day one. Go back. Okay, we did it. Wake up in the morning, march around the city. Okay, we did it. Day three, day four, day five, day six. Now it's the seventh day, the Sabbath. And they do it seven times. And then they shout. And then the walls were told, very detailed, fell flat. 
We're so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. The book of Hebrews is rather enlightening as it traces all the history and traditions of the Old Testament, but ties them into the significance of Jesus and the New Testament. Essentially, Jesus is the fulfillment of all of the Old Testament covenants and symbols. Jesus is the high priest. Jesus became the sacrificial lamb. It would be fascinating to have been a Jew during Jesus' time and to then later realize that Jesus was and is everything he said he would be. To fully understand the newer things, it's important to go back and appreciate the older ways, how it was done prior to Jesus coming to earth. The book of Hebrews is a wealth of knowledge and a resource for this exact thing. If you're just getting into this study and want to listen to other teachings from Hebrews, we invite you to go to calvarychapelkaneohe.com. You can find more messages there. If you're in the Kaneohe area, you're always welcome to join us on Sundays or Thursdays at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. We meet for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find service times, directions, and more at our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. Until we meet again, we encourage you to dive deep into God's Word, looking for nuggets of wisdom and insights that God wants to teach you right in the book of Hebrews. As we look forward to next time, we trust that you've been encouraged by what you've heard today. Come back again for another edition of In Spirit and Truth.